and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. This is a podcast about the classical world, about books, about philosophy, about theology, about all kinds of stuff. And uh, my name is AJ Hannenberg. I'm here with a couple of my buddies. You got Thomas Fletcher Magby. Hello. And you got Graham Griswold Donaldson. That's Hello, it. Griswold. Yeah. What's your middle name? Griswold. I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> he, you got it. He just said it. I, yeah. I knew it. I knew it uh, it's in, weird in to my me, gut. It's weird to me that you know my middle name and not Graham's middle name. I should not. I think I know your middle name. What is it? Paul. No. No. What is your middle name? Brock. Is it really? Yeah. It's, I think we've talked about this. Graham it's Brock so, Donaldson. It sounds so like the captain of the Protestants. That's right, GBD. <laughs> yeah. Graham Brock Donaldson. You should yeah. be captain of a ship. It's like the, the chief Presbyterian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we talk about uh, the classical world. And <laughs> that's what we're doing today. That's right. So let's have some of that. Graham. So let's so do it. <laughs> we are jumping back into the War of the Roses. Um, as I've been sort of planning it out and, and thinking about how much I can get done in an episode, like, I'm like, shoot, like Henry VI is still a kid. We got a long way to go. So I hope you're enjoying this, listeners. Take it slow, Graham. Yeah, I'm realizing that, like, there's um, no rush. There's no rush. Why, why would you chug a bottle of wine? That's all, right, all I'm saying. Fair point. Because uh, you're in college? Yeah. <laughs> 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 In college. Oh, no. As a quick oh, no. story. Real quick. I went with some guys up to a, a little cabin, and they decided it was a good time to try out a wine bong, mm. which is like a beer bong, but with wine. No. That was a messy evening. Oh, there somebody you go. got lost and ended up in an airfield, Not and great. one guy puked in somebody else's shoes, and it was a bad night. Well, as the War of the Roses goes good on, <laughs> as the War of the Roses goes on, someone is going to drown in wine. So there we'll get go. to that. For real. For real. Oh, I'm into this. It's yeah. not too far off. Okay. All right. So um, last episode, we looked at the death of Henry V. And we looked at a little bunny trail of Joan of Arc. And jo- the story of Joan of Arc is going to kind of straddle the story that we're going to be talking about today because she's sort of happening in the background. So Joan of Arc is, uh, what do you guys remember from last episode with Joan of Arc? I remember. She got spoken she to was like, French. She was French, yep. She got spoken to by an angel and yep. got, got told to go and crown the king. That's right. So And she um, did it. And she did. And afterwards she wanted to go home and they said no. And then, That's right. Mm-hmm. Then she gets captured and she gets burned. captured by the British and burned. And as she dies, her last words are praising the Lord Jesus with a burning brand of cross. And the, the British soldiers were like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we are lost for we have burned a saint. That's yeah. right. Okay. So um, when Henry V died, uh, yeah, he, he sort of, uh, he had united, not united, but he had won the crown of England and France and then when he dies, it gets passed on to Henry VI. Henry VI is a really divisive character, not just in history, but even at the time. He was one of those kids, and as an adult, that you couldn't tell if he was like a genius or a moron. Okay. Like, you just couldn't tell. Um, so he's like Boris Johnson. I mean, yes. It's, except he wasn't bumbling and lovable like Boris Johnson. I think Boris Johnson's lovable. I kind of do too. Yeah. What, what do you call um, him? Like a spineless invertebrate jellies as he yells at the parliament and stuff? It's pretty great. He's yeah. got good insults. Um, he's got great insults. But he was one of these... He's, and also quotes the Iliad and original Greek, yes, right? from memory. Oh, yeah. 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 He's, yes. yeah he's got this weird balance between yeah, I'm, a, I'm a bumbling fool and I'm also a genius. Yeah. So um, one commentator of the time of Henry VI sort of said that Henry always had a look of... Shoot, I wrote it down because it was so funny. Um, he always had a, uh, a look of um, faint surprise. That was the look he always sort of had. Okay. It was like, 
Whoa. Oh, Keanu Reeves. Yes. 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 I think this very is much. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He, I think Henry VI is very much like a Keanu Reeves where you're like, maybe he's like perma-stoned. Is he actually like really wise? Uh-huh. Is he kind of an idiot? Uh, it's hard to tell. I don't know if you're talking about Keanu Reeves right now, but Keanu, if you're listening, we're big we fans. We love you. Big we're big fans. fans. You're Huge not an fans. idiot. You went to my high school. I love John Wick. Is that true? Uh, yeah, he went to the same high school as I did. Did you guys like hold hands? No, no, we <laughs> weren't. He was older than me, but he, my, we had the same English teacher. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Cold, 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 was he good at English? Uh, I can't remember. Oh, okay. I can't remember. I just remember, I just remember our English teacher using it to try to like brag. <laughs> but this was in like like 2000 or like 1999. And what was and he was like Bill and Ted. Well, I guess he had done Matrix, Matrix by right? Matrix, yeah. Yeah. By that point, anyway, right? whatever. Okay. Um, he was the one. So, so Henry the Sixth is, is this really interesting character. And when we start, um, um, and at where we're at in the story right now, he's he's still a kid. So all of these uh, qualities that I'm talking about are slowly emerging, where people are starting to realize as Henry's growing up that this really sort of serious, somber kid who was apparently, he was really perceptive, he picked up on things really quick, but when you pressed him on stuff, you couldn't tell if he was, like, really internalizing and there was a lot of horsepower going on. Or or if, or if he was just kind of dumb. So no one really knows with Henry. But he's kind of like this his whole life. So it's like one of those... Uh those Reddit graphs you see, like mm-hmm. where at the beginning it's the dumb guy and he says a thing and then like there's the middle bell curve yeah, yeah. and they say all this complicated stuff and then you get to the sage at the yes. end and he says the same stuff as the dumb guy. That's right. Is Henry the troglodyte or is he the sage? Even to this day, no one really knows. <laughs> um, so this is Henry the Sixth. Does he do something that is dumb? Like, yeah. he, No, he doesn't. But he um, he was not demeanor. a leader of men. Okay. Um, he was not somebody that you would ever feel confident leading people into battle. Okay. Um, there's going to be one episode that comes a little bit later in his life where um, there's a battle waging around him and he's wearing his royal armor and he sits down in the middle of the battlefield and just sort of sits and waits for it to be all done. And at the end, like a bunch of peasants stumble upon him and he's just sort of sitting there and they're like, well, <laughs> are you the king of England? And he's like, yeah. Uh, and, um, and he's not even fighting. He's just kind of like sitting in his armor. And people are like, what's wrong with this kid? Right. So he, there, he's, there's, so there's something going on. All right. Yeah. Okay, at this time, the crown is poor, had no money, and the nobles have all the money. If you remember back, Henry IV kind of made some deals with Parliament where Henry was like, just let me be king. You guys take care of the money stuff. And the nobles were like, we accept. Um, and so now the crown has no money, and the nobles are really, really, really powerful. But at least at the beginning of the Henry's reign, everybody... I think it's fair to say that even when though there are rivalries and there are rivalries that are going to flare up, people really wanted Henry to be successful. He had two nations riding on his little shoulder, that little nine-month-old shoulders when he became king. Right. So um, when he was whisked away back to England with his, like, 21-year-old mom, who is now a widow because her husband died, um, when he... Uh, all care and concern is brought to Henry to try to grow him up to be a capable, confident, even if he's like half of what his father was, they take it. Now, unfortunately, um, people uh, referred to Henry V as, I think, I think the term uh, back then were the nine divines. Hannibal, does this sound familiar? The nine divines being the, um, is it the nine? Um, being the, uh, like, Alexander the Great was one, and uh, what was that term? There was, um, I can't remember. There was, a, there was sort of, you know. Um, the Nine Divines, I believe, is from the Elder Scrolls. Oh. 
<laughs> that's the first. No, thing that's that comes. They, no, no. Yeah, that's that's probably what you would get. Checks when out. Um, and for the listener, before this episode, we before we started recording, we were talking about Bethesda games. We were talking about so Bethesda that's games. So funny. That makes so sense. maybe that's. Uh, uh, but tell me, like, who, who's there. a part of this group? It's Alexander the Great and Henry the I, Sixth. Well, there the was fifth? which one? Um, let's give you a second. I'm okay. sorry, listeners. This is not very. Uh, anyway, I won't be able to find it. Um, anyway, all all that to say that no, there there was the like the nine great men of antiquity. So okay. like Julius Caesar and Alexander the Great. There was nine of them, and people were like, Henry the Fifth deserves to be in there. So this is your dad that people are talking about. Is that these? There are these sort of great men of history, and your dad was kind of one of them. And so, but is it everyone, the seven, there are seven wise men of antiquity. No, no, okay. I'll have to look okay. it up later sure. and maybe talk about it in between. But, um, so everyone was really focused on Henry the sixth upbringing and they didn't want a Richard the second all over. Now, if you remember, Richard the second was the king that got deposed and he sort of, uh, um, ruled based on pure majesty, pure majesty alone. He was kind of weak. He was kind of frail. He was sort of, um, uh, um, you know, he was probably like wouldn't even hold the sword, uh, Richard II. And people uh, didn't want Henry VI to be the sort of limp-wristed um, king again. Uh, the Nine Worthies, there it is. The Nine Divines, eh, same thing. Um, Not That's far a pretty off. sweet name, though. The Nine being the Nine Worthies? Nine Worthies? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, That'd be a good name for a, a microbrew. Yeah. The, the Nine the nine. Oh, you have nine different kinds of beer? Or I'm just saying that's like a beer. Oh, it's called the nice. Nine Worthies. There That'd be pretty cool. Um... Now, so they didn't want a king who was just going to be kind of headstrong and tell you tell you what to do and was sort of had a poor upbringing. So they really were focusing on bringing the best of the realm to bear on Henry. But even as he got older, he was starting to show a little bit of like uh, he realized that he could basically tell people to go away and they had to because he was king and he could be left alone and he wanted to be left alone. Uh, oftentimes, he didn't want to bother with people. He kind of wanted to be by himself. And so he would have his, like, tutors or his nurses or whatever, and he would say, like, you know, he, he basically realized that it was a thing that he could do to tell people to go away, and he would be left by himself. I wonder if this guy had autism. I, 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 right? I, I like, think a little, that's there's, probably, there's a lot going on upstairs, mm-hmm. but maybe he doesn't, like, socially yep. click all and, the time. And people around him don't really know if... Uh, um, how to deal with some of the things that he says. And I, I think that's probably a very likely scenario. Maybe was, yeah, maybe it was just a social mm-hmm. cues thing. Yep. Hmm. Um, anyway, um, now even though the government had a parliament and was still an incredibly complex thing with a lot of moving parts and a lot of people doing stuff, it really did all still focus around the king. And not just as a figurehead, like he had to actually sign documents and sit at parliament or it didn't count. Right. And so um, you've got this kid and he, so uh, he came to his first parliament, I believe he was two years old when he, uh, when he presided over his first parliament, his mom brought him and she, he sat on her lap in parliament while he presided over it. And while parliament was happening, you had to tell the king the things that were happening and he had to acknowledge them. So they're all saying this to a two year old. Exactly. Now, this yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, apparently, the first parliament he went to <laughs> no. was yeah, exactly. delayed. By no. two, yes. Yeah, the first parliament he went to was delayed for two days because on the journey he threw a tantrum and didn't want to have to travel. <laughs> so they stayed at an, at a, at an inn yeah. in uh, halfway to parliament just so he could, like, calm down. 
So he had to go to the nobles and be like, I'm sorry, the king is indisposed and will not be attending parliament. We have to sit for two days because he was like freaking out over having to sit in a carriage for eight hours a day. This was still the case. There must have been some kind of regent or something, right? No, this is just the king. So the regent was, you had, sorry, um, his uncle, uh, Humphrey Duke of Gloucester. And we talked about him last episode. Uh He was the one that married uh, um, the cute cute Dutch girl and then divorced her for somebody else. Yeah. He'll, he'll play a role in today's story. The chambermaid. Um, the chambermaid, that's yeah. right. So he was not regent, but he was in charge of sort of keeping the king, oops, uh, of, of sort of like keeping the king, uh, um, his education and the upbringing of, of Henry. Um, and, um, but Henry, so those little kids still had to like sign documents and do the royal seal. And so they had this big old ceremony where they like presented him the seal and he had to like pick it up and they were like, ooh, he did it. Um, and there, um, and there would be correspondence from the king to subjects or to, to like, you know, lords and stuff. And whoever wrote them for the two-year-old would write it as if it was (laughs) Henry himself saying it. So you would get this letter from a two-year-old, which would say like, you know, my dearest and most (laughs) earnest uncle, Duke Humphrey. Uh, uh, it, it gives us the greatest pleasure to be able to blah, 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 blah. And somebody wrote this, but in the voice of like the two-year-old kid. It was just, so it's very charming. I have been bereaved of my Legos. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I was hoping you would say it's someone actually writing down the words of a two-year-old and then sending that. No, no, that no. Would be no. They were better. writing it as if he was like, uh, you know. An uh, adult. An adult, but it's, <laughs> it's, from, it's from Henry. Um, That's pretty Anyway, good. so you have this little kid and he's presiding. It was it's very theatrical. Um... Uh, uh, because, and, th- and it, they weren't just doing this to be charming. Like they, they actually, if he, this didn't happen, nothing they did was le- legitimate. Government didn't happen. So the, the kid had to be there. Um, now you will remember that, uh, Henry V's brothers, um, were in charge of, basically in charge of the kingdom while Henry VI was growing up. Humphrey Duke of Gloucester was in charge of, of everything to do with England and John, Duke of Bedford, was in charge of everything to do with France. So Bedford is in France, and... Um, Can you help me know the difference between a, a duke and a... Like, do you know how the hierarchy all works? I don't know the hierarchy. Um, it has to do with the, the plot of land that you are in charge of. So there was duchies, and you would be a duke. There was earldoms. You'd be an ur- earl, Or you'd be an earl. And then there was also... Um, uh, uh, shoot, there's a French one. What's it called? Uh, um, Viscount? I, I, yeah, there's, yes, there's Viscounts, uh, and there is a hierarchy to them. I don't know what it is. Pretty sure the Duke's, Duke's the highest. Um, Duke of York, Duke of Gloucester, a Duke of Bedford. Um, and then as you go down, it gets, you get it sort of lower and lower and lower. To like, yeah. Daniel the landlord. Yeah. And then, yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's princes and princesses. So Prince of Wales is always the kid who's supposed to be king later. So right now the Prince of Wales is... They don't have to live in Wales. Um, this always confused me. They don't have to. Why live do they call him the Prince of Wales? It's just that he controls Wales, so he's in oh, charge of Wales. So that like passes yeah. on, huh? Yeah. So right now, the Prince of Wales is Charles, uh, Elizabeth's son. Pretty sure it's the Prince of Wales. Should be. Uh, anyway, um, but it is hereditary, right? He it is hereditary. So, hereditary. so does he yeah. own Charles? Like, yes. Wales? He, I mean, I don't know about nowadays, but back then, like the taxes came to you. Really? So if you're Prince of Wales, like it went to the prince. Um, if you're the Duke of Gloucester, like you're getting all the Gloucester stuff, uh, taxes and whatnot and Bedford and Exeter and all these places. That's awesome. You say Marquis. Was that the word Marquis, you were looking for? Marquis, that's what I was looking for. Yes, thank you. Um, okay. So John, Duke of Bedford is in France. Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester is in England helping raise little baby Henry. 
Um, um, people were concerned about Humphrey of Duke of Gloucester. And we've ta- we, we talked a little bit about it in the last episode because he was so, well, because he basically was like the right hand. He was the guy that was in, controlling the king. He was probably the guy that was writing those letters in first person. Right. And, um, and he was kind of headstrong. And we touched on it, but I want to give a little bit more detail. He married, um, uh, and so she, uh, he married uh, that girl from uh, the Netherlands, uh, whose name I can't remember right now. We talked about it in the last episode. But um, when, when they were married, um, she wanted her lands back from her, old, from her ex-husband. And so he invaded Hainault and now sort of Holland in order to get the lands back. That's fine. These things happen. Uh, you want to go and like get your ancestral homelands back. Except he, uh, the the um, the French duke who had been divorced by Gloucester's wife, who he was fighting against, um, he was allied with the Duke of Burgundy. And if you remember, the Burgundians and the English are in alliance against the House of Orleans in France. So Charles VII, the the, the king who was crowned by Joan of Arc. Yes whose dad was the crazy King Charles VI. That thought um, he was a window. Yeah, window. who yes. thought he was a window. He wants, he should be king, he thinks he should be king of France. He's from the House of Orleans. The Burgundians and the English are fighting him. Well, now you've got Duke of Gloucester fighting the ally of your ally. And mm. people were like, for his wife. Right. And people were like, buddy, yeah. like, read the room. This is not <laughs> great. Not right. You shouldn't be doing this. Anyway, right. he wins. He gets the place back. Uh, the husband that he defeats sort of has to go off into, you know, retirement or whatever. And, um, and the Burgundians immediately go to um, uh, both, uh, they go to the, the, the cardinal, um, uh, sorry, the bishop of Winchester um, named Beaufort. So he's Beaufort, the, uh, uh, the, the bishop of Winchester, because Beaufort was this politician who basically like knit the Burgundian-English alliance together. And so the Burgundians are like, hey man, um, the king, the dead king's brother is fighting us in France while we're fighting with you against our old king. What's up? And Beaufort is like, that is a very legitimate concern. Right. Um, yes. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. And so he went to Gloucester and was like, like, you got to stand down. You got to like rein it in, lock it up. Um, you're, a, you're, you're kind of, um, you're off the reservation. You're off, you're off, yes, you're off right. the reservation. Um, he actually, to, to confront the Duke of Gloucester, um, he brought a bunch of dudes with him, like a bunch of burly men, and they marched on London to like confront the Duke of Gloucester when the Duke was there. And um, uh, apparently there was a new mayor of London the day that the, the men showed up, and this mayor kind of freaked out, and he was like, oh, we're under attack! And he um, uh, uh, like closed the bridge, the, the London Bridge, and so then you've got like the cardinal, or sorry, the bishop of Winchester on the other end with his dudes being like, "Hey man, let us in." And uh, the mayor of London was like, "You are invading force. I'm not doing this." And meanwhile, the Humphrey Duke of Gloucester's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I think he is trying to invade us. <laughs> yeah, we should probably like, you know, throw down, lob a couple arrows at we, that guy." Exactly. Right? Yeah. And then the mayor of London was like, "Oh man, it's my first day." <laughs> and, uh, anyway, and so I'm this, not even trained. So yeah. this whole thing was sort of bubbling over, and uh, Gloucester was kind of egging it on, and uh, Beaufort was getting um, angry to the point where there was going to be like a street war. Mm. Um, and oh, so fa- it's like the sharks and the jets. Yes, exactly. To the point where um, King Pedro of Portugal, who happened to be in London at the time, 
He's related. You draw a knife. He's related Start to that. the no no. King Pedro is related to the uh, to the Plantagenet house. So yes. He's like the uncle to the king. So he's there in town, and he like calms them both down. So this Portuguese Pedro's like, hey guys, listen, this is crazy. You can't just be fighting and killing each other uh, in the streets of London. Uh, and so they, he kind of like you know had a little summit, and they 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 kind of got over it. But uh, Beaufort and Gloucester not friends. Um, Beaufort was one of these rich nobles, and of course, Gloucester, being from the from the crown, has a little bit less money. In fact, the crown was deeply indebted to Beaufort. And I know we talked a little bit about uh, about Beaufort in the, in the previous episode. Anyway, um, it gets to the point where Pedro uh, uh, sends a message to John, uh, John Duke of Bedford in France, saying, "Like, listen, man, you got to come back and you got to like iron this thing out." And Bedford's like, "I got I got things happening in France, like." Um, uh, Charles is mustering armies. This is not a good time. But he, uh, but Pedro eventually convinces Bedford to come home. And when Bedford comes home, Charles really, that's when the Joan of Arc thing happens and Charles can really sort of like run over uh, France and, mm-hmm. and, takes, uh, um, and take over things. So Bedford comes home. Let's talk a little bit about um, John, Duke of Bedford. Um, um, uh, he comes home. He kind of, uh, he, he smooths the whole thing over. He goes to the Bishop of Winchester and he's like, listen, I'm here now. I'm going to make sure that Humphrey doesn't, uh, doesn't sort of like stays in his lane. Um, and the Bishop of Winchester is like, good, because I have another thing I want to go deal with. I'm going to the Balkans because um, I'm going to go kill these new things that are popping up that are protesting the Roman church called the Hussites. Now, you guys know who the Hussites are? Jan Hus? No, don't know. I've heard the name. Jan Hus is often credited as being like... Um, uh, one of the first Protestants, or he um, is uh, one of these proto-Protestants. Um, um, and so a lot of his preaching was sort of the, the um, uh, taken up by British Protestants and French Protestants a little bit later. Jan Hus and the Hussites were sort of spouting their Protestant ways, and Bishop of Winchester's like, nope, not time, having it. Time for murders. He, so he's like, he took his dudes, and they went to go like throw down against the Hussites. So <laughs> Beaufort took his <laughs> money and went to, um, I guess it's... Uh, uh, I guess what would be uh, the Czech Republic. Now. So which one's the one yes. that attacked, like, an ally of the ally with his, for his wife? Humphrey. Humphrey Duke of Gloucester. Okay. So the brother of Henry V, the uncle of the king who's in charge of the king. Oh, he... Yes. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. And no. so John, his brother, John Duke of Bedford, comes back to be like, lock it up. Okay, so like, Bedford's like the lock it up guy. That's right. Yeah. So I'm just losing track of the group. Right. Bedford, like he's like even keeled, stoic. He, like, he can get stuff done. Um, Gloucester, he's like fun-loving. He's the guy that loved alchemy. Um, yes, from last time. And, yes. and he's um, the wife guy? He's the wife guy. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so Beaufort says, all right, I'm going to go kill these. Pro- I'm going to go take care of Protestants. They didn't call them that at the time. Right. But these, like, bad Catholics. Upstarts. Um, and so off he goes. So Beaufort leaves, and Gloucester's like, good riddance. All right. Um, Bedford. When Bedford comes back, uh, people are pretty excited because everyone loved John, Duke of Bedford. Um, and mainly because right after his brother died, he won a very big battle. Um, uh, and the battle was the Battle of uh, Ver- Vernoy. Um, and it was basically the last stand of Charles VII, the one who was crowned by Joan of Arc, yes. before jo- the whole Joan of Arc saga took place. So um, um, when Henry D- V died, Charles was like, awesome. This is my time. I'm getting France back. And he went and he spent all of his money hiring a bunch of Lombardian um, horsemen. 
And Lombardy is a city in Italy. It yes. is not a heresy. Not a heresy. As, we, as I uh, incorrectly said, I called the, the uh, Lollards the, Lollards, the Lombards a couple yes. of episodes ago. Yes. Anyway, these were apparently the tanks of the Middle Ages. They were the best horsemen that existed. And he went and he spent all of his money on these mercenaries. And he's like, listen, I want my crown back and you guys are the best. And they were like, you got pasta? And he's like, yeah. That's <laughs> off so he has all these Italian horsemen Taking ready to roll. Care of. Yes. Um, so he gets all of his French army. He's got these Lombardian horsemen. And before the battle starts, a couple of boats pull up and a bunch of Scottish people get off. And they're like, we hear you're fighting the English, <laughs> sign us up. And he's like, yep, come on in. So the Scots uh, join the French. But and it seems like the Scots are just out to cause trouble. The Scots yeah. are like, we're, we're just looking for a fight. They're looking for a fight. Uh-huh. So they come in, and so Charles has a vastly superior army to the John Duke of Bedford. Um, and they are, they're motivated. They want their crown back, and Bedford just wants to, like, not have to fight. Anyway, um, so they're, they're facing off. And the Lombardian horses, like, charge and absolutely cut through the army. Like, cut the army clean in half and got to the end and were fighting the, like, peasants who, like, were, the making, the, were making the soup. Right. Like, I didn't the want back. to be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the horses got to the back and they were fighting the, like, cooks and, um, and all the peasants. And those, those peasants, like, took off running. Yeah, immediately. They immediately ran and the Lombardians were like, the route's on, boys. And the Lombardians chased them. Oh, which, but those aren't the actual warriors. Which was yeah. really bad. They're yeah. killing a bunch because, of cooks. That's right. So the, the Lombardian mercenaries kind of got headstrong, and they just sort of chased <laughs> after the peasantry, leaving the French army alone. <laughs> so you paid all this money for these, like, awesome Italian cavalry, and they're, like, chasing they're the wrong gone. People. They're chasing yep. the peasants, thinking that the battle's over. It'd be yep. funny if they planned it. They're like, let's chase some yeah. cooks today, boys. <laughs> yeah. um, and the way that the Duke of Bedford, the way that this battle is sort of described is that the Duke of Bedford and a lot of his other lords basically just by sheer force of will, just ground out the bloodiest victory ever. They were, it was just like a battle of attrition. I kill you, you kill me, he kills you. It was just like a grinding slog of a battle um, to the point where one person who was observing the battle said uh, you could not tell who was winning. Mm. It was just all the armies got like mixed up. There weren't lines anymore. It was just a big So do you pit. wear like armbands or how do you I mean you tell? the nobles do. Um, there was actually there was um, there was one part of the story where um, the standard of the Norman army, so that was the British army, um, uh, the, the king's standard fell on the ground. And that usually is a sign that you lost. Um, and one a Norman apparently like threw himself into the, the crowd of like swords and blood and screams and like lifted up the standard and was waving it and everyone was like, ah. and then they continued to fight. But the Battle of Renoy was 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 supposed to be a huge victory for the French because they had this these awesome horses. The horses ran away chasing <laughs> the peasants. Right. The English ground out this like absolute um, uh, sort of gross v- victory. And when the Lombards came back with all of their like dead peasants and all the like spoils they won, right. they came back to a defeated army and they were like, huh. ooh, we're not going to get paid. Um, and so then they I'll kind of these like... spoils in my bag. Yeah. And then they kind of rode back to Italy. And then this was what pushed Charles south of Paris and he had to go and stay in the south and everyone was like, well, Charles is done. 
and it's that circumstance that Joan of Arc gets her visions. Oh, okay. 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 So this, so John Duke of Bedford, when he when he leaves France, he's done this great battle of the Battle of Verneuil, and people are like, all right, Bedford's coming back. He'll make sure that this whole Beaufort Humphrey Duke of Gloucester thing doesn't bubble over. But he's like, I can't leave. Um, if I leave, like France is going to fall apart. Right now, they couldn't have guessed that it was going to be. Joan of Arc, who was going to come up. Crazy anyway, prophet, yeah. prophetess girl. Who, right. who knew? And so then she changes the course. And she changes the course of history. Right. Um, she gets Charles. So then the big thing that she did was she got Charles crowned in the ancient city of, of Reims um, to be king of France. Now, this actually opened up a bit of a crisis in England because you now have a king of France, a king of France in the ancient city that half of France recognizes as their king. And Henry VI has not had his coronation because he's only six. Mm. And so they say, crap, we need to coronate Henry as king of France, sorry, king of England, and then we got to go over and we got to coronate him as king of France in Reims. We got to do it in the ancient city so we can, like, cancel it out. Right. Okay. So they go about doing the coronation. Um... Um, Have they they've done that before? They've coronated children before? Oh, yeah. They've okay. coronated That's children normal. before. Okay. Um, but usually they – but usually that also means that once he's coronated, um, he's now anointed by God. And that and in people's minds, this was a, a, a more important thing than just like inauguration day. Right, right. This actually had – this carried spiritual significance. So the coronation – um, uh, uh, during the whole time, Henry the sixth as a six year old boy, um, was noted or maybe was seven was noted to have been, he sat there sadly and wisely oh. for the whole ceremony. Wow. The ceremony took hours. He had three costume changes. He had to wear <laughs> three costume yeah, changes. He had to, so they dressed him as a, dressed him up as a warrior in his suit of armor and his sword, and he had okay. to walk in as this warrior. Yep. And then they did all this like sort of ceremony about giving him a sword and talking to him about he's a warrior and whatnot. Then he went off. He came back dressed as a bishop. Okay. He came back in his like bishop outfit with his little miter and his, okay. uh, and yep. his stole and everything. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him about how he was the head of the church uh-huh. um, or the head of the, you know, the head of the, he was God's agent on earth. Yep. And then he came back and he was dressed as a king. So you have warrior, priest, and king, these costume changes. And he's dressed as the king in his like golden robes. The, um... The crown was too big for him and too heavy, yes. so they had to go and find a more suitable crown. It happened to be Richard II's crown, Ooh. and people like were kind of nervous about the symbolism because right. Richard II was the king that was ousted by violence right. that a lot of people still in England look to as like the beginning of our downfall. This right. ain't great, but Henry V took the sting out of that because he was so awesome because he was one of the... The uh, the nine divines of Skyrim. No, he was one of the uh, the nine worthies. Yes, um, but people were a little nervous that he was wearing Richard II's crown. Um, um, there's a point in the service where poor King Henry VI has to strip down to the waist and lie in front of the altar uh, um, for an hour, just on his face with his arms outstretched. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just lying there for an hour while there's like a sermon going on. And it's supposed to show his like submission to 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 God into the into the state. Um, it gets real cold on that stone floor. Uh, anyway, and then when that's done, he's anointed with holy oil. Now, this holy oil was apparently given to one of the kings of England by Mary herself, okay. mother of Jesus. She gave him this vial of oil. It's like use this. Were they alive at the same no, time? No, she came down. She came. <laughs> oh, down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I was gonna say I don't. Um, I don't know and what works. they would do yeah. is they would anoint. His, his sword-bearing arm, 
They would anoint down the center of his back, his shoulders, and his head. Um, And then when they anointed his head, they would also cleanse it with sweet wine. And and then they would wrap his head for seven days. He had to have his head wrapped with this wine on it. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of symbolism for this, but um, he had to get his palms, his shoulders, and his sword arm anointed with oil and his head wrapped in sweet wine. Um, this is what all the kings get. All the kings this get is this. The normal this is the normal coronation. thing. Did okay. it look good or bad after it came out? I don't out know. Now, fun fact: Henry the Fourth. So his grandfather, when they anointed his head with sweet wine, he got lice <laughs> <laughs> for having seven days with sweet wine in a, in a bandage, Gross. and he was not happy about it. Sure. Anyway, so um, how do you little, even salt that back then? Yeah, you shave it all off. Shave it all off. Great question. So Henry the Sixth, this little kid, he's going through this like four or five hour long ceremony. He's like anointed like a salad. Um, he's. Uh, uh, and he's, you know, now he's king. Okay. Um, it was uh, a very joyful ceremony. And then they, they shipped him off to France to go uh, have him be the, uh, to coronate as the, as the king of France. Well, at that time, the war was such they couldn't get to the ancient city of Reims. So they're like, meh, Notre Dame's good enough. Uh. So they went to Paris. They went to, the, the, to Notre Dame. And let me just read the account of how this went. Um, it was not as joyous right. an occasion. Um, uh, let's just, I'll, I'll read you how, uh, so this is from Dan Jones' book on the War of the Roses. This is how he talks about in, um, um, it, uh, of, of the French coronation. It's actually kind of charming at the beginning, um, but this is how the coronation went. In early December, Henry made his way northeast to Paris. It remained impossible to crown him in Reims, but the ceremony could do, uh, do just as well be held at the Cathedral of Notre Dame, where all the Anglo-Burgundian France could gather with sufficient magnificence. The king entered the city beneath a giant azure canopy decorated with fleur-de-lis and rode along dirty streets sanitized by being draped with linen. So they dra- they completely uh, put covered, linen, covered yeah. the streets with linen. Cover up that poop with a coat. Um, yeah. One was turned into one street was turned into a river of wine thronging with mermaids, while seasonal Christmas Christmas plays it's December were performed on an outdoor stage by citizens in elaborate disguise. A giant lily, like a fake lily, a giant lily spouted milk and wine for the crowds to drink. So it was this big flower you could walk by and go, and it would squirt out wine and milk for everybody to, to drink from. Yeah. I am into this. <laughs> in a presentation to the king at the um, Châtelet, a seat of government on the right bank of the Seine, a pageant was displayed on a stage decked with gold, tapestries, and the dual arms of England and France. A lookalike Henry VI sat center stage in state, wearing a scarlet hood, while dopper, doppelganger Dukes of Bedford and Burgundy held up to him more English and French arms, along with various documents advertising the king's right-wiseness. So basically, they have these little pageants where, like, they got a lookalike. They got, like, a, a Henry impersonator, uh-huh. a little kid, and they dressed him up as a king, and they got a Duke of Bedford and a Duke of Burgundy lookalike, and they sat on, sat on the stage basically saying, like, he's legitimate. <laughs> he's legitimately the king, everybody. There's nothing wrong with him being king. Look at him signing documents. He should be king of France. <laughs> right. Not the other one. This, this guy. One, yeah. Now, um, usually when you're doing that kind of thing, it shows that, like, you know, you know you're not so assured of how uh, legitimate this is. Yes. Okay. That was the day before. Then the next day was going to be the coronation. When they woke up, it was absolutely bitterly cold. And people weren't really into it. 
Crowds were like, <laughs> ah, it's pretty cold. I don't think I want to go stand and watch this. Yesterday was pretty sweet. Um, um, uh, but they all came. But they came anyway, even though they left early because it was cold. Um, apparently, they were all crammed into a really small place, and there was a bunch of pickpocketers mm. who just went ham mm-hmm. and made so much bank just picking everybody's pockets during the coronation um, that people started to leave. Because uh, they'd be like, I don't want my money's taken. And so the crowd started to dwindle, and they basically rushed through the coronation. And so they were like, hey, 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 hey King of France. Here's some money. Yeah. Here's, here's some uh, salad. Here's some oil. Off you uh-huh. go. Um, and they did it, and, you know, the, the queen wasn't even there. Oh. Because she was, her brother was Charles VII, and her son is King of France. Her brother's King, of, quote, Queen of France. So she didn't show up because she was like, it was going to be a little bit awkward. Right. Um, apparently during this, uh, there was one tender moment where little, uh, Henry the sixth was walking towards the coronation place and he saw his grandmother, his French grandmother, who was the, the husband of the crazy king. Okay. Sorry. The wife of the crazy king, um, whose son is Charles the seventh and whose daughter is his mom. And he sees his grandmother and he takes off his hood to greet her. And she looks at him and waves and then turns away and sobs and weeps because the whole situation right. is just so crazy. Right. Her son versus her grandson, her daughter is not even coming to this thing. You imagine the poor heartbreak of this woman on that day of her, of her grandson's coronation. How do you spoil both? I mean, yeah. What do you do? What do you do? What do you, get, what do you even buy him? What do you even get him? He's a king. He doesn't need much. Yeah, he's got true. a flower that squirts out Like a rare wine. pony or whatever. <laughs> By the way, pony. this does sound like a, an electronic music festival. Everything mm. you've described. Mm. Like the the milk and wine flower and the crazy mermaid town. And <laughs> I'm just like, it's got to be like Bonnaroo or the something. The French know what to do. They're there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We think we have cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so it was kind of cold and people were sort of like, oh, well, this show's... Where their allegiances lie, the British coronation was awesome. The French coronation was like an afterthought. Right. People grumbled. All right. Ooh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that the queen wasn't there. Was the queen dowager. So she has a, you know, she, she was queen, but her husband died. It's Catherine. Um, let's talk a little bit about Catherine. Um, when her son was coronated, she basically was no longer in the life of her son. So before he stayed with her all the time and she had her little nurses and her little, uh, uh tutors and whatnot. But when he was coordinated, cord- coordinated, um, coronated, <laughs> he, he wasn't for a while. He was basically whisked away by Bedford and Gloucester and, and his tutors and put into like, you know, King school. And, uh, and mom was like, they, they basically said to her like, all right, well, um, you're basically retired. Um, go be an old lady. She's okay. 21, <laughs> and she's rich, and she's bored. Um, so she is, like, farting around in her estates, um, and uh, um, she didn't really know what to do. Her, her role greatly diminished as soon as her king was coronated, or her, her son was coronated. Um, and she's single now. And she's right? single. She's cute. She was apparently known to be a, just a, a wonderful beauty, but she was also pretty flirtatious. And one commentator, although... Uh, he wrote this about her. Probably he was on the other side of the political spectrum, didn't like her. He said that she had a hard time reigning in her cardinal passions. Okay. She's French. So she's, you know, she was a, she was a lover. Um, she was apparently uh, someone who just, she was a French princess. She just loved romance and chivalry and knights. And smooching. And smooching. And uh, she was married to the greatest man of the, of the time, right. of the age. She was the most desirable person in the world. Now she's 21, and her child is, is the king of both kingdoms, and, um, and she's kind of like, what, supposed to, like, knit for the rest of her life? Yeah, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? All right. Now, 
the queen dowagers as a rule were not allowed to marry Englishmen. Because if you were oh. the queen and then you marry some guy and then you have a kid. Isn't he the king? You have a succession yeah. problem. Right? Oh, yep. Well, you've got somebody that mm-hmm. down the line could be like, my mom was queen. And people would be like, uh, yeah, well, you're kinda. right, kind of. But, <laughs> right. Um, so they basically, was, uh, they basically told her, they're like, listen, you're not allowed to marry an Englishman. Um, you can fall in love. You can get married. Why don't you go marry a Portuguese guy? Why don't you go marry an Italian? Um, why don't you, you know, like, you know, buzz off and go back to France? No, they didn't want her to leave. Right. But the, you can't marry. Pick a Scotsman. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. Well, no, that'd be bad. <laughs> that'd you don't be so that. bad. Oh, man. <laughs> she does al- something almost as bad. Okay. So, oh, no. Now, meanwhile, remember the Beauforts? Remember yes. the, the, the Cardinal yeah. Beaufort? No, yes. Cardinal. The, the Bishop of Winchester fighting the Hussites? Yeah. He had a nephew. Uh-oh. A handsome nephew. Uh-oh. A handsome nephew man- named Edmund. Edmund Beaufort was a nephew of, of, the, uh, of the Bishop of Winchester. He was a grandson of John of Gaunt, so he's a Plantagenet. Um, so if she married him and had babies, you would have a future succession problem. You would have somebody in the line of the king, married to a queen, having babies. That was going to be a problem. Right. Room, word got out that her and Edmund Beaufort were a thing, and Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester, was not having it. Sure. He's like, no, 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 no. No one's having, like, secret babies... Uh, when I've, when my nephew is king of France and England, not happening. Um, uh, and the reason that what tipped him off to the fact that this might be true is that one day she submitted a request for a law to be changed, and the law she wanted change to change to be changed was let dowager queens marry whoever they want. That was the law. And she gave this to Humphrey. Like, he was this like, this will go over real well. Yeah. And Humphrey was like, huh, hmm, <laughs> this is this a about? bit of a red flag. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and so the law was not passed. And in fact, what Humphrey Duke Gloucester did was he passed a law saying that if, if any future dowager queen uh-huh. were to marry an Englishman, that Englishman's entire property would be given over to the crown. He basically would lose his lorddom. So if you, you could get married if you want to. If you're in love, you can do it. But he basically becomes a commoner. He has no property. He's got no titles. He's not the duke of anything. Right. You, can, you can marry him, but he can't. He is basically disinherited from any nobility. Mm-hmm. That's the new law. And then, so apparently, uh, Princess Catherine, Queen Catherine, goes to Edmund Duke of Bedford. She's like, so you still want to get married? You still love me? And he's like, nope. Oh, um, and really? so, oh no, um, this poor girl. I saw when you say like he's he's romantic no. and he says I'll throw it all away no, for he you. Does not. And, no, he's like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, so uh, he uh, he leaves okay. her. Um, um, so Edmund pieces out, oh. and so then she's by herself, and um, at this and then at this time, so she's like, well, crap, I, I got to marry a commoner or, or whatever. Meanwhile. At this time, she happens to fall in love with a dude named Owen. Okay. Now, Owen, he's Welsh. I'm imagining Owen Wilson, yeah. and nothing you say <laughs> yeah. will convince me otherwise. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no. You're cute. Um, uh, so she falls in love with this name named Owen, who is sometimes known as Owen Meredith, who is also known as Owen Tudor. Ooh. Oh. Yes. Okay. So, from the House of Tudor in Wales. Now, um, she's like, so, are the Welsh English? And people are like, nope, Welsh and English. She's like, awesome. Um, So she falls in love with this guy named Owen Tudor. So Owen Tudor um, came from a family, and if you remember from a couple of episodes ago, a family that fought Henry IV. So Henry VI's grandfather. 
fought Henry IV when Henry IV took over the crown, and they fought him just because they don't like him. Um, they fought him, and, when, and then when Henry V took over the crown, he was like, listen, we can't have all this like Welsh, English, Scottish fighting. I'm just going to pardon everybody. Everyone's pardoned. Let's go beat up the French. And everyone was like, okay, let's do that. Um, and so uh, the House of Tudor um, was pardoned by Henry V, including Owen Tudor's dad. Um, so Owen's dad, also named Owen, uh, was pardoned, and, um, and so he was... Uh, um, if he apparently, there, the thing is, there's so much mythology built up around Catherine and Owen that we don't know how they met. There's a story that she went to a pub in secret um, just to like see, just to like hang out with people. Uh-huh. And he was dancing like a drunken fool and tripped and fell in her lap. And he's like, you, and he said that you look like a, like a princess. And she's like, I'm a queen, baby. <laughs> um, there's that story. There's, there's all these different stories. Uh, no one really knows. Um, but she, she falls in love with him, and he's, like, as noble as a Welsh family could get. Like, they don't officially have titles and land, but, they ha- but in Wales, they, the, the Welsh people recognize them as a noble house, even though the English see them as peasants, right? right. Okay. Um, while her son is off to France to get coronated, she goes and marries Owen Tudor. And um, it's not official. It's super secret. Um, but she goes and marries him, and then people start realizing that something's up because she has five kids and no four kids in five years. Oh, wow! And um, and uh, uh, so she marries during the coronation, and then when she's back, she's like, "Yeah, I'm just hanging out, you know." And then rumor there was rumors that she was married to a Welshman, and people uh-huh. were like, "Okay, that's okay." She, you know, he's just well. She can marry for love, but Humphrey Duke of Gloucester was like, oh, "I don't like this kid." Mm-hmm. All right, so he's got his eyes on Owen Tudor. Um, they have a bunch of kids. Now, the strange thing is that her first son, she named Edmund. Oh. Because that was the name of Edmund Le- Beaufort, her lover. Guy. Yeah. So some people were like, maybe Edmund was Edmund Beaufort's kid, and she married Tudor just because she was pregnant. Oh. Or she married Tudor and had a child, and she named him Edmund because, you know, she still loved Beaufort. Which, it's super weird, right? Yeah. Like, that's a little weird. If your wife names your firstborn child after her old boyfriend, not great. That's that's not great. I mean, she was French. Maybe she didn't know a lot of English names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Maybe we'll yep. name him uh, Edmund. She, yeah. <laughs> She's like, how about the Jacques? And he's like, Edmund will do fine. Yeah. <laughs> so she has her son Edmund. Um, she has a bunch of kids. The next important one is named Jasper. Um, she has another kid named Owen who promptly goes to live in a monastery and has this like long monastery career. Great. Uh, and then she has a daughter who died. She has a bunch of kids, but Edmund and Jasper are going to be important. All right. Um, uh, sh- uh, there was one really bad winter. She so she had all these kids in a short period of time. The poor woman. Uh, there was this one really cold winter and she gets sick and she dies oh. at 35 years old. Wow. Oh, that's so early. Um, and, um, in 1437, she dies and Owen Tudor is in immediate political danger because his wife is uh, dead, yes. who was the print, the queen of France in yes. England. And then um, Owen, like the night she died, gets his stuff and flees. And it was a smart move because Humphrey Duke of Gloucester had like sent people to arrest him um, on like, you know, sort of suspicion of being a treasonous or whatever. <laughs> Um, of being dangerous. He yeah. does that thing where he goes to Westminster Abbey and bangs on the door and says, I demand sanctuary. And he does. And they bring him inside and they demand sanctuary. And then he's like, okay, I'm safe. And then Humphrey Duke of Gloucester merely walks in, 
grabs him, yanks him out, and the bishops are like freaking out, being like, you can't do this! And Humphrey's like, tell it to someone who cares. And then uh, takes Owen Tudor away and throws him in jail. No so that didn't way. work. Yeah. Wow. Um, he actually disgraced the... Yes, right. So that didn't really work. How did that go over with the people, well, disgracing the church like that? Eh, he's a Welshman. I think people <laughs> thought, like, because he's Welsh... The Welsh don't belong in church yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, and it people, wasn't real sanctuary. And people are concerned, because people right. like, maybe he was trying to overthrow the crown. Right. Maybe he was, like, trying to plant you know, secret lies into the queen. Maybe he killed the queen. Like, you know, all sorts of, of Just nonsense. like a Welshman. Just like a Welshman. Um, are his so, kids there too? Hmm? Are, are his kids there too? So we'll talk about what happens okay. to his kids. His kids, before he fled, he actually got, uh, shuffled his kids off to a very interesting monastery. Okay. We'll get there. Um, and that's how our story ends. Um, but anyway, so he gets taken away and he goes in front of the king. So his, you know, his, his, uh, uh, um, Son in, no, not son-in-law, his stepson, um, the king of, king of England. And apparently Henry VI is like, why did you arrest him? Right. And Humphrey's like, this is and Henry's like, uh, this is stupid. No, we're not, he's not in trouble. And Humphrey's like, what you mean to say is he's going to jail. And the king was like, fine, whatever, he goes to jail. Um, so, uh, Owen Tudor gets thrown into a jail, but it's like the posh jail where the nobles get to go. Okay. He could play tennis. It was like a nice place. Um, so he goes to this jail. He just couldn't leave, but he wasn't like in chains or anything. Yeah. And he was uh, reported as saying that his, his only crime was falling in love with a French princess, which oh. is a wonderful line. Um, <laughs> this poor guy. I know. Yeah. You got to feel for him. So he's in jail for about two years. And then one day when he's languishing in posh jail, like fancy jail, someone arrives and says, listen, you got bailed out. You're free to go. And do you know who bailed him out? Edmund Beaufort. The former lover of the queen. Whoa. So he Why? comes because he just to commiserate. Just, yeah. <laughs> just want to spend some time. So I he bails her, him out. Now he bails him out either because he felt like you know we love the same woman, maybe right. it was that kind of thing, or it was you are now the enemy of my enemy, right. Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester. You want to be my buddy, and so Owen, um, uh, uh, he went to posh jail. Edmund got him transferred and got him pardoned. Wow. And he's like. Y'all are crazy. I'm going back to Wales. And he goes back to Wales and that's sort of the end of his life. He just sort of goes off. I can't remember if he shows up in the story later, but he's like, the British suck. And so off he goes to to, to Wales. (laughs) Meanwhile, he sent his kid, Edmund and Jasper, to this really cool monastery that is really unfortunately named the Monastery of Barking. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it called that? Oh, please. It's Please don't make something awesome. It has nothing to do with dogs. Bark, it was just the name barking. barking. Anybody bark? No, no there? one barks. You mean you're ruining all my. I know. It was, it was just called barking. I was so excited. Now, it was known as being like the up and coming, cool, hip, educational school. Really? Yeah. The hottest monastery mm-hmm. in England. Exactly. The hottest monastery in England. Yeah. Barking. Um, <laughs> they have everything. And it was run by this woman who was named Catherine de la Pole. Um, so de la Pole, French name. Polish? She was not Polish. She was French. So she, Lady Catherine de la Pole, she was the abbess and, um, and she ran this really cool school. Um, so Edmund and Jasper went there. They taught, they, they learned Aristotle, Aesop, Virgil, Cicero, um, one of the like grand nieces of Geoffrey Chaucer was a nun there and she had her own copy of the Canterbury Tales. So they like got to read the Canterbury Tales with Geoffrey Chaucer's like kinsman um it apparently was just this like little jewel of an existence and edmund 
later says that it was like the happiest time of his life. It was peaceful. It had beautiful gardens. Uh, the, the, the nuns were friendly. It was just a place of like learning and adventure and f- good food and just like a wonderful place to grow up while your dad's in posh jail. <laughs> um, and so Catherine de la Pole uh, is a noblewoman who was the abbess of this place, and she had a brother, uh, a very interesting brother, um, who was named William de la Pole, yeah. and William de la Pole was the Earl of Suffolk. So the, and so the Earl of Suffolk so, uh, um, was, um, we haven't really talked about him, but um, he was slowly becoming the king's best friend, the Earl of Suffolk. Um, um, and uh, as Henry was growing, was growing older, um, he was very solemn, uh, Henry was, very somber, um, and he was very pious. He, in fact, hated all of the finery of the crown, and whenever he had to wear his golden robes and his, and his uh, fancy crown with all the jewels, he would always wear a hair shirt underneath what he wore to remind himself that he was just a man and that one day he was going to die and he was a sinner like everybody else. He was an incredibly pious young man. And the Earl of Suffolk, uh, William de la Pole, was becoming his friend. Now, um, Henry VI, as he grew up, was apparently very impressionable. Um, he was one of those people that, like, he would kind of, he would, uh, basically, strong personalities could really move him. Um, and the Earl of Suffolk, either to his credit or discredit, kind of realized this and realized that he could be his friend, and it's a little unclear whether he tr- he actually cared for Henry or whether he saw political power. We'll get right. deeper into the Earl of Suffolk next, next episode. Um, but, um... I mean, especially if there's autism there. Yes, exactly. Right. Or if make, there was some sort of Asperger's or something if, yeah, like that. Yeah, if he that. couldn't, like, detect mm-hmm. social things and he couldn't quite detect the guy didn't actually care for him, yeah. that makes it more plausible. But Henry VI, the king, as a young man, he didn't really want very much... He didn't really want things. He didn't want to go to war and fight. He wasn't really bloodthirsty. or He didn't like throwing down in battle. He was chaste. He did not want to have sex. He did not want a mistress. He did not want women. He didn't... He, had, he seemed to have no interest in that. Um, he was generous... He was kind. He would give of his things to the point where people would be like, you're actually not allowed to give that away. That's part of the crown. You need to keep that. And he'd be like, okay. Um, And so the Earl of Suffolk, uh, uh, um, whose sister was taking care of these kids that were, you know, his stepbrothers, he becomes good friends with the king and he gets tasked with a job. And his first job, his big job, is to find this strange king a wife. And so that's where we're going to end today, is where the Earl of Suffolk has been tasked that he needs to go find somebody who can be a fit companion for somebody who is the king of France and, is not and England women. and who is not interested in women and who is not very an inspiring leader of men right. and, um, and somebody who is pretty impressionable. You need to find a pretty remarkable woman to be married to that king. And he goes off and he finds a remarkable woman to be married to that king. But we'll talk about that next episode. So just to sort of set the stage, Henry VI is a young man of marrying age, um, super impressionable. Um, at this point, his his uncle, uh, uh, Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester, has divorced his wife that he fought for earlier and married that chambermaid. 
Um, the bow force, actually, this is a fun little coda to put to end the episode with. The bow force, just to like really like stick it to to Duke of Gloucester, they concocted a story that his chambermaid wife was a witch. Oh, and that um, she was ma- she had made a little wax figure of the king and was putting it next to a candle every night and having the candle waste away the wax figure. And they're like, that's why Henry's so freaking weird. Um, is because is because Humphrey Du Gloucester's witchy wife is uh, is making this like wax voodoo candle of the king, and uh, I can't remember if they killed her, what put her into jail. I can't remember what happened, but Du Gloucester's like, I freaking hate the Beauforts. Anyway, how do you come up with a story like that? Yeah, what? Like how are you like? I know how to get this woman. <laughs> weird wax. voodoo candle. Yeah, that's weird. Like, it's just hey, so man, creative. They, they were they were colorful people back then. But anyway, so Earl of Suffolk, got to find him a king. Sorry, got to find the king a wife. And um, that's that's no easy task. And actually, the story of him finding the wife is actually going to show a little bit of how the kingdom is slowly coming apart on the popular level, where people are starting to not really respect the laws of the realm mm-hmm. because the king is seen as being a little limp. Right. And so anyway, but that's where we'll pick up next time. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. As always, you can find us at our website at classicalstuff.net. You can email us there at theguys at classicalstuff.net. We'll try to get back to you if we can, but we get a lot of emails, and you know we also have to take care of our Patreon folks who also send us messages, and that's on my next thing. So you can check us out at patreon.com slash classicalstuff. Uh, we have a few extra things you can get there if you decide to support us. One of those is in-between episodes, which we will record in Minutes. minutes. It's, it's, I mean, it's coming up. Um, so you can have access to that and then a few other goodies there as well. Um, and you can also tweet at us at CLSSCAL stuff. And I think that's it, right, boys? Got it wrong. Okay, cool. well, thank, thank you all for listening. listening. Ciao. Bye.